0: How important is it in that period right when you recover in that way to start having sex again?
1: I'm I'm going to give a very unpopular answer for maybe our male partners, but a very popular and needed response for for the moms who have just given birth. That that 6-week mark is absolutely not a clearing to go and have sex. You are still healing and Unfortunately, society puts this pressure on mothers to say, "Okay, you're all cleared, you can go and have sex now." Mm-hmm. You're still healing.
0: Totally.
2: Hey guys, it's Carly, and this is Jade. Welcome to Mommy's Tell All.
0: I am very excited. Today we're going to be joined by clinical psychologist and couples therapist Dr. Tracy Dal, we're going to have to ask her how to say her last name, but right now I'm going to say Dalgleish. How would you say that? This is very interesting because I feel like in our, um, especially in our Mommy's Tell All podcast group, we have so many questions on how to keep your relationship spicy, how to even like your partner. Like, you know, when you become a mom, you're exhausted and it's really hard to figure out even how to connect anymore almost like where do you find the time how do you do it properly what if you have difference of of opinions on parenting you know there's so many different things that we have to ask her about Mm -hmm. um and even like with friendships like you know we talked about this a few weeks ago but like how to keep you know friendships going and um all relationships in general when you are a new mom so that's going to be really fun to delve deeper into a conversation about that but in the meantime, um, how was your uh, relationship going, Jane? <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me about mine. Um, <laughs> having a baby, and we have multiple
2: babies, and it changes your relationships so much. You know, it's yeah. You're a new person. Your partner is a new person. You know, it affects them. Just maybe not as much as us, but it affects them. Yeah, and so. There, we are learning learning about a new baby and how to take care of a baby. It's somebody we just met who can't vocalize their needs and who needs us twenty four seven. And we're learning who ourselves are as a mother. And then we have a partner sometimes, and so and that partner is has needs too, and is learning who they are as a parent, and who is learning who we are as a parent. And it's just so much, right? Yeah it's just so much and it does change your relationship. And so you kind of have to like communicate. I think there's just so much that just evolves around trying to keep that communication open, even though we're exhausted Yeah, (laughs) and just trying to be a team. Sometimes we have to, it's like a me against you thing instead of like, no, we're, your problems are my problems and we need to be more of a team and figure out how to do this together. And I feel like that just is very common. And Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, and I think it's something that like, if that's something you're going through, it's something that you can work on um, and find a way to be on the same page during this time. And I think that's what Dr. Tracy kind of talks about is things that are, things that are very common that we all or some of us have experienced and how we can kind of like work through those to be better parents and better partners.
0: When you and Tanner have a disagreement about something like when it comes to parenting, like let's say Tanner wanted the kids to like eat at the table and you were like, I think it's okay that the kids could eat at the couch tonight and watch a movie. And it's like, something like that. Like, Mm -hmm. how do you guys, does somebody give in or do you guys end up being like, okay, well tonight we could do this tomorrow. Let's do that. Like, how do you guys navigate those? And that's a small, that's a small thing, but those types of parenting disagreements. I think
2: what's done us good is just like coming up with a rule that is a house rule. And mm-hmm. both of us kind of finding where that is. If it's maybe a compromise, maybe it is one of us giving in to the other. If we know, okay, next time something that's super important to me, we, you know, maybe we go my way. Uh-huh. But I think just having that established rule, you know, this is a the rule. And then your kids mm-hmm. just learn like, okay, well, if you want to watch TV, but you want to eat Oh, cereal you got to choose which one's more important to you right now do you want to yeah, sit yeah. down at the counter first and eat your cereal or do you want to go watch tv you know yeah and and so it just becomes a rule that's consistent and so that's something yeah. that we've learned because if i like try to be sneaky and i'm like okay well just this once dad's not home you guys can eat on the couch right. then we're not keep then it confuses the kids
0: yeah yeah and yeah, so yeah, we've sure. just
2: learned you have to be you have to come up with what you guys decide And you have to both just agree this is the rule. And then you just have to be consistent. And it's hard because sometimes I'm like, no, I'm right. This is how I want to raise my kids. And he's like, no, I'm right. And we both are very stubborn. So it can be very difficult.
0: Yeah. Evan and I have had like just because he does things differently at his house than I do. Some like we kind of deal with it by being like you can do whatever you want at your house. But this is working for me. Yeah. Don't tell me how to parent over here. And I won't tell you how to parent over there,
2: but yeah, that's a totally different scenario. Yeah. That's so different for you guys. I didn't even think about
0: that. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. I just, I remember like having conversations about like just, yeah, certain things and being like, well, you know, like he had kids already and he had gone through all of the baby phases and all the things and things that I would be like, well, I think that, you know, kids should sleep in here. I should think, you know, and him having a totally different opinion that was always really hard to kind of navigate on like, cause sometimes there isn't a compromise, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you just have to be like, fine, whatever. Okay. We'll do it your way. Right. And then like, maybe next time you can come my way. It is nice being able to do whatever the heck I want in my own home yet. The food thing is bad because Charlie and Bella like to watch iPad and eat in my bed. And this is the fifth day that I've changed my sheets from a, some type of spill.
2: Or just
0: like shredded cheese in my bed. That happened the other day. (laughs) Like shredded cheese in Uh, my bed. That is so disgusting. Like, uh, but it's been lots of orange juice spills lately. Yeah, I need to do that. What's more important? Eating, (laughs) surviving, or watching (laughs) iPads? No, those are just snacks. You don't survive on snacks. Actually, my kids, I think, do survive on snacks.
2: I I mean, I think that's every kid. I mean,. it's like, you might as well just start calling lunch a snack because then they'll perk their ears up. It's time oh, for yeah. your
0: lunch snack. Oh my gosh. Yesterday at like one 30 was like, we had had like a late breakfast and then I put like Turkey cheese and like crackers out as lunch. Cause like sometimes that's what I eat at lunch. So I was just like, Oh, we'll just have like a snack lunch because we're going to order sure. something in a couple hours. And she looks down. And she's like, is this lunch? I was like, yes, this is lunch. She's like, Cheese and crackers, that's lunch. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Yes. Rude. That's so funny. <laughs> Let me add some watermelon on there. Does that does that make it lunch now? <laughs> what that do you need lunch. on there to make it lunch? Um, she eventually said that she needed a hot dog to make it lunch. So, great. <laughs> Yesterday I was vacuuming and um, like the TV is on or something and Bella's like, ma, turn it off. I can't hear the TV. And I was like, whoa, you need to stop trying to boss me around. (laughs) (laughs) Turn it off. I can't hear the TV. Uh, Oh, my God. I was like, Bella, you know, if nobody cleans this house, like if I don't clean this house, like nobody's going to clean this house, right? Like this house is just going to be disgusting if like mommy doesn't clean this house. Because there's literally no one else to clean this house but mommy. (laughs) (laughs) Looking at me like so strange. Oh, my gosh kids these days. I know. Okay. So we are going to take a quick break and then we are going to come back and hear from, uh, Dr. Tracy and ask her all of our, uh, very exciting relationship questions. So let's take a short break. Dr. Tracy, it is so exciting to have you on. Um, we, have talked so much about, uh, relationships between partners, between friends on this podcast. And, um, it's just really nice to be able to delve deeper into how to maintain healthy relationships as a new mom, as a mom in general, because it's just hard. It's such Even a, a relationship with yourself is hard. <laughs>
1: yes, of course. And that's the most important relationship, right? When we show up into our other relationships. But thank you to you both for having me here. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you guys.
0: I think first, let's talk a little bit about like the relationship between like a spouse or a partner and yourself after you have children. So how do you maintain like a happy relationship when you're in like the trenches of new parenthood.
1: Yeah, oh my goodness. That is such an incredibly hard one. And to start, I want to just normalize that it is so, normal for us to experience this decrease in our relationship satisfaction after a baby joins the family and most people are not talking about that that was the last thing even for myself when having my own children that i was prepared for i knew this in the work that Mm -hmm. i did but i just didn't realize how much it was going to impact ourselves so i always say to people start even before you have your first child or before another baby joins the family. Start talking about what roles do each of you want to play? What does support look like in your family? Like, how are you going to signal to your partner, I need support? And how are they going to signal Mm. that to you? And if we can have those conversations beforehand, that can be so helpful to help prepare after baby comes. Because afterwards, we're sleep deprived how normal it is to be short we might not even know everything that we need in that postpartum period so we're going to experience struggles during that time
0: so what would you say is like the healthiest way to like if you're not a person that's really good at asking directly like for help from your partner how do you even find that i feel like within yourself to do it you just rip off the band-aid and do it like are there baby steps to like kind of being vulnerable in that way, <laughs> like advocating for
2: yourself. Is that? Yeah, what you mean? like,
1: yeah, I, I mean, the first step is we have to know what's going on inside of us right in order. We have to see what's inside of me so that I can communicate that to someone else. And so can you get to know yourself? And that could even be a, as simple as, oh, you know, I really don't feel good right now. I need to take a shower and being able to say, OK, here mm-hmm. you take baby. I'm going to go take a shower. That is a need. That is putting that out there and asking for someone to to listen to that. We're not necessarily talking about emotional needs, but this is a need that you might have. Um, you might even, if you're not used to talking about feelings and needs, you might even go into some of those physical pieces where you know finding a point of connection with your partner that then maybe that helps you start to open up about things in your partnership. Hmm.
0: This is like a li- I feel like a little down the line, but how how important is like sex in that, I mean, there's a period where you obviously can't have sex and like what is six weeks, something until you like are fully healed. But how important is it in that period? Right. When you recover in that way to start having sex again,
1: I'm going to give a very unpopular answer for maybe our male partners, but a very popular and needed response for for the moms who have just given birth, that that six-week mark is absolutely not a clearing to go and have sex. You are still healing. And unfortunately, society puts this pressure on mothers to say, okay, you're all cleared. You can go and have sex now. Mm -hmm. You're still healing. Totally. I feel like that's how how it
2: feels, yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, yeah. I feel like society makes it feel like, okay, this is a six week checkup appointment for you to have sex, not to like see how you're right, doing. Right. It's like, it, there's like right. this pressure. Okay, you got the green light. Now I can go do it. But for me, I never was emotionally ready at six weeks. Right. Right. And most women are not because, I mean,
1: think about all the things you need to have sex. You need the emotional piece, right? And emotions are all over the place when you're sleep deprived, when, you know, your hormones are changing, when you're trying to figure out breastfeeding or feeding this little baby that's dependent on you, your demands are being called on differently. You're, you know, you don't have energy then at the end of the day to give to your partner so it's not really the first thing we need to put on there so physically are we fully healed emotionally how are we doing with what happened from our birth is there any birth trauma do we have any feelings of resentment that are showing up or anger towards our partner those things need to be talked about Um, postpartum depression and anxiety that is so important how can you expect a mother to go and have sex when she is not feeling good in her own mental health. So those two pieces are really important. Um, And then also how you feel about yourself, right? That's so key. So I tend to say to the women that I work with in my office, take the pressure of sex off for the first year. There are so many changes that are happening during that time. Now, that doesn't mean that we exclude all intimacy. And the challenge that happens for couples after they have a baby, often beforehand, but afterwards even more so, is they start to define sex as just penis and vagina. And instead of being able to say that sex is this whole intimate realm of our emotional intimacy, our physical intimacy, sexual intimacy, spiritual or experiential, um, value-based, there's all these forms of intimacy that we're not nurturing. So after giving birth, make sure that we are still connecting physically. Do you hold hands? Do you hug each other? You know, Jade, you had talked about that before of, you know, being able to, you and Tanner have those hugs and connect because that is a way of feeling safe and close. So making sure we're still doing those things. And if you're not feeling ready for sex, being able to say to your partner, I this is a part of our relationship that is really important. And I think about it and I want to get back to that, but I'm not ready yet. So I just want you to know that. And hugs and kisses and massages still feel really good for me.
2: How do you explain that to a partner who sex is that important to them? Mm -hmm. You know, like you want to fulfill their needs, but you're not there. You know, like what if your partner's like, well, it's really important to me to be sexual with you in the penis vagina way,
0: (laughs) you know, like. How and how do you or not feel guilt about not? Yeah, how do you not feel
2: guilty for not meeting their needs, but also like not betraying yourself? You know, because sometimes I feel like Literally. we do give in, but then it's almost like a self betrayal if we're not if we're not ready. Yeah. How, how do you? Is it just how do you find that place?
1: Yeah, I think that is such an important one, and I, I think for many of us, what's important is that guilt is going to show up mothers experience a lot of guilt and it's also on the same neural pathway as empathy mothers have a lot of empathy so yeah you feel guilt for not being able to give your partner something that they need and i think what's important with our partners is You know These conversations can't be the door handle conversations or the ones where you're yelling back and forth or it's the heat of the moment. It has to be a conversation where you're sitting on the couch together and you're talking about how each of you are doing and what's going on in the relationship and being able to explain to your partner, listen, if I have sex right now, if I go into this space that I don't feel comfortable with, then in the long run, I might build feelings of anger and resentment. And doing that right now is not aligned with how I want to show up in this relationship. And so really being able to put that out there of like, there's a cost if I say yes and when I'm not really ready. And and again, this is about how can we find a space that works good for both of us? So it's not intercourse right now, but am I willing to do something else? Is there something else that feels good? Can we learn to touch each other again that is exciting and pleasurable without the pressure of having intercourse? course.
0: Let's say that you and your partner have really been disconnected. If someone's struggling right now in their relationship, maybe they want to go to therapy, but the partner doesn't want to go to therapy. How do you deal with something like that?
1: Good question. Such a good question, Carly you know, if you have this feeling that you need help, then go and get help on your own. You don't have to wait for your partner to go. And I think that is one of the biggest mistakes. And it's also one of the reasons why I created my Be Connected community is because I kept hearing from women, my partner doesn't want to go. And then I kept feeling really stuck on, well, how can I help you then if you, if your partner doesn't want to go? So let's have a space where you as the one partner who's ready to get help can go. So I always say, you know, again, can we talk to our partners about how things are going in our relationship? How do they feel? What would be the buy-in for my partner to come into therapy with me? I would also be really curious with my partner and say, what is it that you're afraid of might happen in therapy? Many partners, particularly if we're thinking in a heterosexual relationship, the man will feel like if we see a female therapist, I'm gonna have two women ganging up on me. And being able to talk about some of those fears and say, you know, that's not what therapy is, that this is an objective person outside of our relationship teaching us skills, helping us to navigate these big conversations. So it's kind of like myth busting, right? Let's find out what some of those fears are and talk about that. So I think a lot of it is education and talking to our partners, getting them to buy in. Like, what would you want to be different in your relationship? We all have that, right? Perhaps your male partner wants to have more sex. Okay, let's work. On our connection so we can have more sex or maybe you don't want me to nag at you so much okay we need to work on our communication then because then we'll both feel good and there's you know that distress in a relationship affects everything else that we feel we know that long-term relationship distress affects things like cancer and autoimmune diseases and our overall mental health so if we can address these things early on in the long run we're going to be better but again if your partner is resistant to going ultimately you can't change them all you can do is make a decision for yourself i always say there are three things in a relationship one you read all the books and you change together two you accept your partner for all that they are can you truly accept this piece of them or three, you have to end the relationship.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's true. Acceptance is huge. <laughs> yeah. Can you do that? Ooh. And can you, right? Um, like not
1: everybody can and only you get to decide what you're right. willing to accept or not.
0: Right. I know. I feel like there's such a stigma like that for better or for worse thing, you know, that we all say when we get married and then it's kind of like, is it true? <laughs> you know, because it's it's really not, you know, when it comes down to it, there's a lot that we should should shouldn't be accepting
1: yes of course that there are there are anyway
2: unhealthy relationships right that we do need to end yeah right and finding and setting those boundaries for ourselves before you got on we were talking a little bit about our relationships and i was talking to carly about um i think one of the biggest struggles for tanner and i that we've like been learning is how to be uh, a team after having children And sometimes how it's pointing fingers, it's like, well, you didn't do this or you did this and I wanted it done this way or
1: you're not doing this and you're not. That is one of those negative communication patterns that we can really get stuck into. Whereas, you know, it's you're one upping each other and you're pointing your fingers. It's like, who's the bad guy in this? I'm going to blame you. And, you know, it's not me. It's you. And I think one of the biggest.
2: I can be very resentful. (laughs)
1: Yeah, of course. So whenever resentment shows up, I'm always curious, what is something that you're needing? Resentment often, it's a complex emotion, but it tells us that there is an unmet need in there. Is it that you need more help? Is it that you need more emotional connection? Is it that you need more support or physical touch? What What is it that's missing there? And I think being able to label that is really important and then being able to communicate that to your partner. But we have to do it in a way that is not the pointing fingers and blaming it has to come from within ourselves it has to sound like I'm feeling this and this is what would help me move through this and so I like to joke in my community oftentimes people will say I feel like you never help out and being you know stating I feel like you is not a feeling but it's much different when you can go inwards and say something like I feel really overwhelmed in this season of parenting and I I really need help with, and I always recommend to people, get so specific that a fly on the wall would know exactly what that help looks like. So saying help is not specific enough. Being able to say, I need you to take over bedtimes. I need one night a week just to myself, right? And actually that's something I communicated to my partner recently, kind of noticing that that feeling of resentment show up. And it's like, okay, so what is this right now for me? And then saying to him, I really need a night alone. I can't do bedtime every single night and I need to do that. And that's offloading that so that resentment doesn't build inside of us.
2: Yeah. Cause I mean, ultimately, I mean, and Tanner and I, like we're, we're pretty good at communicating, but ultimately like, I don't want him to feel like I'm constantly nagging or, you know, I want to be on the same team. I want to be this unit that we can bounce off each other and support each other and do it together You know, and it's just so hard sometimes when it feels uh, like I'm doing more of the work. (laughs) Yes, of course.
1: Right. And so I love the book Fair Play by Eve Rodsky. I don't know if either of you have read it. It's such a good one. It talks about um, Eve offers us a system in terms of how we can address the mental load. Because if you are carrying the mental load, then you are more likely to experience resentment. And so being able to offload some of that, which for some people can look like Doing an entire list of everything that you're doing. And, you know, it's not just that I'm taking, you know, my son to soccer. It's that I'm looking up the different types of soccer. I'm looking up the different days that this has to go. And then I have to go and buy all the things. And then I actually take them to soccer, right? But so, how can I then offload this entire task to my partner so I don't have to think about it at all? It's no longer on me. And so, you know, for for daycare and school, actually, that's something that I gave completely to my partner, so that I didn't have to keep on taking all of those tasks on because it's exhausting. But I think the piece in there too, Jade, I'm wondering if you're talking about it, is also this, you know, when we're communicating, it's one thing to communicate by being able to be very open saying, I feel statements, but also being able to take responsibility. So even if you are kind of in that dynamic and you're saying like, ah, you never help out. And if he is able to just take a little bit of responsibility and say, ah, I see that you're struggling in this moment. That can be enough to help get you out of that kind of pointing fingers situation.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just like,
2: now I'm just like processing all these things. I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. (laughs) I have a question too, then just because like we have moms out there who are, um, single parents or, and are co-parenting. Um, how do you, how is like the best way to, Parent as separate units, almost, but still, you know, the same page. Yes, that's such
1: a big one. And, you know, the biggest thing that comes up that I tend to see happening is that you were once a couple and then you've separated, but then you still get into those old patterns that show up, right? One partner starts to get critical and is like, You never tell me in advance what your plans are, or you're never on time to pick up our little one, right? And then the other person gets defensive is like, Well, what do you mean? Like, right? And then you're you're back into the same cycle as what was happening in your relationship and so I think when we when it comes to co-parenting we really need to take out the self-emotions of what's happening between you and the other person that you once spent so much time with right so that is about being able to keep it to logistics and to not throw in the history of everything else that you've been through and to focus on being a again we're talking about being a team in a different way. And when you're on a team, you're not going to accuse the other person. You're going to keep it very much to the this is what we agreed to. And now I need you to follow through with that, right? What are the boundaries that you need to keep in place with this person? And then if you are having the emotional reactions that are showing up with with your ex-partner, that's the stuff for us to work on ourselves rather than putting it back into that co-parenting relationship. You want the co-parenting relationship to just focus on the children and not the old cycles that you would get into before. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great advice. It's hard though, right? Because we show up in the same
0: way. Yeah, yeah. I have more to say about that, but I don't want to say about anything about that right now. I mean, I'm going through that, but it's just, you know, it's just crazy. I do want to ask some self questions um, more so now than partner questions. But I feel like um, sometimes we kind of, we were talking about this, earlier about how you kind of well on a different episode but lose yourself in momhood you kind of don't know who you are anymore and I know you're talking about like you know seeking the inward and how do you find you again when you feel like all you've been doing is kids like and maybe the you from five years ago is different than the you now maybe You know, like I used to go out with my girlfriends a lot. Now, like I I don't do that. Like uh, my relationships are different than they used to be. When in life, in the last five years, how do you like find what you like again? How do you? What do you? How do you do that? How do? How do you navigate the self (laughs) to be like kind of whole again? I, I I always like to talk about acceptance in this
1: space because I think one of the things that trip us up in the postpartum period is this idea. And also the society's pressure that we should go back to how we were right our bodies mm-hmm. should go back yeah. to how we were our sex lives yeah. should go back to how we were our relationship mm-hmm. should go back to how we were and and actually we're changing we have changed and evolved we're not the same people so i think the first piece to work on here is accepting that you are not the same person that you were before and now how can you Mm -hmm. grow and evolve um and experience something different it's kind of like you know this this was experience an experience for me very much I don't know if you guys can relate to this but I felt like I was kind of evolving into a different person suddenly I like knew what boundaries I was having that were so different from before I had a child. I knew what I wanted to do in certain situations, much different, right? I I was no longer available to say yes to all of my friends to help them because there were two little kids that were demanding things from me. I couldn't just be available all the time. So I think when it comes to this kind of evolving place, it really is about prioritizing you as a place to start first. You might not actually know what you want to do, but if you could say, okay, 30 minutes every Tuesday, I am going to do this by myself. Maybe it's just starting by sitting in a coffee shop with no children. Maybe it's the bath, maybe like whatever that is, right? And Mm -hmm. getting to know and spend time with just you and not someone else demanding things from you and being able to say, what do I need here? What feels good for me? It might not come right away, but it is something that has to go over time. Or maybe you start to tap into like, what else is meaningful to me? So if you think of you in your life, you have all of these different succulents and you only get one jug of water to water all of these succulents. And each succulent represents something in your life. Family, friends, wellness, personal growth, education, your work. Where are you putting the water from that jug? You only get so much water in one jug. And oftentimes, Mm -hmm. especially women and mothers, we put all of that into relationships and children. So are there other things that bring you meaning in your life? Um, Is there something new that you always want to try? And and go and do those things. I like that. I
2: love that. Yeah. How do we give ourselves that permission? (laughs) Because I feel like it's so hard as women to do that. It's so hard. I
1: think starting in that place is important of just acknowledging that this is so hard. And I always tell people we are waiting until we don't feel guilty anymore, but guilt doesn't go away. And so if I say to my partner, oh, no, I'm not going to take this time to myself right now. I'll just stay with the kids because I feel guilty inside. The next time I go to do something for myself, that guilt has just gotten bigger. So guilt continues to spiral every time I ignore doing something for myself. So I like to encourage the women I work with to say, take the guilt, put it in your pocket, and go do it anyways. Because over time, the guilt (laughs) is going to change, right? It's like, it's kind of the expression, like, lean into fear, lean into that. Whatever guilt tells you not to do,
2: go and do it. I like that. Kind of like, and like, take up space. Like, I feel like sometimes As a woman and a mom, I feel like I can't take up that space for myself. You know, like it's okay to take that space.
1: Right. But who's going to make the space for you if you don't? Because, and and, you know, it's interesting. I've gotten really good at carving out my own time, but my partner has struggled a little bit more doing that. And I had said to him, if you don't like, take the space. If you don't make it, then I can't do it for you. And so we'll just take up lots of space here. But then the other thing, too, to remember is that. To truly be a sexual and intimate person, you need to have an identified self. And there's nothing Oh, for sure. Right? Like there's nothing more exciting and building anticipation and desire when you go out with your friends and you come back with all of these stories and experiences and nourishing of yourself. That is yeah. a really good side effect of taking that
0: guilt with you and doing the thing. Yeah. That's and it benefits everybody. Yeah. At the end of the day.
2: Yeah, fit your fit kids your, feel it your too, partner. right? Partner,
0: it benefits your kids because you feel like you're more full. I will say that. I mean, I'm a single mom, and I will say that taking time for myself has been harder and easier. But I've hired help to help me with like the day stuff. But even going out and getting a sitter or something at night, I I feel like I finally came in. Even in the last couple of months, I finally came around the corner and been like, I don't. I just don't feel as guilty because. I get home and I'm like smiling and I've had fun and then you know I wake up in the morning and I'm my kids are probably asleep when I got home and it's exciting to see them you know and like it really does feel like it benefits everybody and the guilt at the beginning was like oh god I don't think that I should do this like I just don't think I should leave my kids at night and now I'm like oh my gosh but like they probably had really good time playing with somebody who would like play more with them than I probably would at night and we all are super happy to see each other so it's great.
1: <laughs> yes, of course, right. Yeah.
0: It's interesting. It's it's such a hard thing to do to say like I deserve me time. I deserve to like me.
1: And the question I like to ask is, what, what are you teaching your children through that, right? So we, we often yeah. want to teach our kids by, gi- by giving the lesson, right? We say it to them, right? Like, you know, believe in yourself or whatever the message is. But the best or, you know, as a girl, you can do anything. But what is more powerful is when we model it to them and we show that mm-hmm. I'm a priority. You know, I get to sit down. I, I tell my children, I'm like, I'm drinking my coffee hot today. So I will play with you when I'm done drinking my hot yeah. coffee. <laughs> so I like Right, that, yeah. and they get to, they'll hang around me and they'll wait, but they get to see that I have needs too. And then later right. on, their conceptualization of what it means to be a mom is someone who nurtures themselves, someone who says no to things, someone who goes out and sees their friends. And I think that is really powerful yeah. to teach our children. They're always watching us.
0: Absolutely. Well, you are being a great model for your children. I mean, all women out there to um, focus on you and focus on better communication with yourself and others. It's like so huge. I'm so thankful that you came on today because I feel like I've, I needed to hear a lot of this and I know that a lot of people out there are really thinking today. Well, Tracy, thank you so, 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 so much for being on. We um, so appreciate you coming on. Where can our listeners find you online and everywhere.
1: I always (laughs) say online,
0: but like it's everywhere. Everywhere. Everything's everywhere. The
1: best place is on Instagram, D. Send me a DM. Say hello. I'm in my DMs talking to people because it is social media. So we're being social. Um, Check out my website. I have tons of free resources. I know going to therapy can be challenging when we don't have the time. We can't find a sitter or the resources are super hard to get to. So that's drtracyd.com. And you can also check out my online space, Be Connected.
0: Oh, thank you so much. We really so appreciate you having you on. It was a delight today. Thank you. Thank Thank you guys for having me.
2: Thank you
0: so much. So this is our Dear Mommies segment where we offer the greatest mom advice that's ever been given. (laughs) (laughs) We're like the oracles come to us. We just know so much. I just, it's just amazing how we're just geniuses over here. Okay. So all the wisdom from us today. So (laughs) number one, trying to conceive for the first time. And my anxiety is through the roof advice. Oh man. It's gosh, that's a hard one. I would say, I don't know if there's okay. So everybody has like the one thing I feel like that calms them down try that. But I mean, maybe just take a minute, write down, like, maybe do like a gratitude thing or something to calm yourself down. And I feel like whenever I make a list of things, I'm really grateful for it kind of centers me and puts me in like a good positive mind frame. Also just focus, I would say if you can on like, the best case scenario outcome instead of maybe thinking about things that could happen that were like, that could be negative, you know, people try to conceive and it happens that, that day, you know, people try to conceive and it happens a couple months, like focus on like the positive as much as you can, whether that's like, I don't know. I I think just try to put yourself in some type of positive frame of mind if and whatever that is for you, go outside, take a walk whenever you're feeling anxious or maybe get a good book or get, you know, we like these, like uh, these cards that are um like positive affirmation cards, maybe grab one of those when you're starting to feel anxious and uh, take a minute to just kind of reflect on, I don't know, something that puts you in like the good, positive place.
2: Yeah. I think like for myself, when I start to feel anxious about something and I feel like it's probably, I mean, I think it's like perfectly normal for you to be feeling anxious about it. I, we don't know your situation. Like maybe you have a certain timeline, you know, maybe mm. whatever it may be, but it's normal to feel anxious about conceiving. Um, but whenever I feel anxiety about something, I just try to like reflect and tell myself that, okay. And try to just talk to myself, like I would talk to a friend and try to be kind to myself. So I'd be like, why am I feeling anxious about conceiving for the first time? And then whatever your reasons are. And then just telling yourself, well, of course, like that makes perfect sense. Like, of course you would feel anxiety over that. Like that, you know, that sounds like something that would give you anxious feelings. And so I think just like affirming that like, it's okay. It's okay to have anxiety too. And just to be, treat yourself like a friend and just be compassionate to yourself. And I, th- I feel like sometimes acknowledging it releases it, you know, it's like the more you resist, it persists. There's a saying oh, yeah. like, like that. And just to be like, I am, f- I am feeling anxious because, and then when I, and, and then saying like, of course, of course I'm feeling anxious. And then one thing that I imagine myself doing is like letting it sit with me for a little bit and then just trying to imagine letting it go when I'm ready. And I always put that thought, I say, okay, well this is just a thought and I'm going to send that thought off. And so I put that thought into a physical bubble. I visualize it and I send it off. Sometimes I sometimes I put it in my hand. Sometimes I like blow it away. Sometimes I just like send it off and I let the thought float away and say, this thought is leaving my body, leaving me, you know. And I don't know if like a visualization will help you with that, but it helps me sometimes and just to know it's a thought that we're not our thoughts that we're not our anxiety and that if and that it's but also like acknowledging like of course you're probably anxious like this is something that's a big deal to you but to also give your like I said compassion and allow yourself to just like I know it's so hard to say like enjoy it because it could be years like I don't know where you're at I mean you say you're conceiving for the first time but like it's such a process and we can't fully know it, how to feel it in your shoes, but maybe just try to like know that – don't put like expectations on it, I guess. Know that it could take a while. Um, but it could – like you said, it could take the first time. But um, I think talking to friends about it too is good. Talking to somebody who you know you can trust. Um, talking to, to a therapist – I think always just getting it off your chest helps.
0: Yes. What she said. (laughs) I thought you gave great advice too. Okay. We have one more.
2: Okay. Number two says favorite activity for an older child while you're nursing your baby.
0: Oh, God. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's all
2: you. (laughs) I mean, I think sometimes it's good to let your kids be bored and let them find something creative for themselves to do and just be like, okay, well, I'm going to feed, feed the baby now. You can figure out something to play with. <laughs> I feel like sometimes when I let my kids be, they go and they find something on their own and they figure out what to do. So, But honestly, books. Sometimes I'm like, okay, well, now it's just time to go up and have quiet time in your room and read a book or figure out what you want to play with in your own room. We do quiet time still.
0: Yeah. I would, t- I probably would just like give my kids like colors I'd be like, hey, yeah. well, not now because Bella is like loves to color on walls, but <laughs> to have them sit with you. You do like lots of coloring. You're going to have more trolls like on your wall, Carly. God, the trolls were so cute though. That's so like, cute. it's like annoying how cute they were. Yeah, I would say even blocks. We do a lot of blocks. Mm-hmm. We sit down and they build stuff. Something they can do with their hands. Yeah, and like something that kind of takes time. I would say.
2: Yeah, something that like we're not sensory bin people, but like you know when kids like play with like pinto beans and rice and scoops yes. and stuff yes. like that. But then I is my bricks is just dis- destruction. So I, I mean the whole. Ben would just be dumped out by the. Yeah,
0: that's what Charlie does. He just dumps things. Yeah. Yeah, we do a lot of like, we, Bella has like a million little Barbie water pools and just like those sinks and stuff outside. Like, I fill those up with water every day and they play in them. And then Charlie just dumps the whole thing. I'm like, dang. yeah. But also, you like, play you part- have two kids that can like play with each other too. But they don't so, always because they, they, I'm just saying they can. Like, other. they could. Yes. Potentially. Yeah, they can. But usually <laughs> that
2: ends up with somebody screaming.
0: God. <laughs> Oh, that's so i want to play with it oh gosh the mind thing I can't, I can't even deal with that now yeah oh that is frustrating but yeah I, I feel like yeah you're right you can you just let them bring them into a room of things and say i don't know figure it out <laughs> lately i've kind of been doing the same thing when bell and charlie like are playing with each other even if i hear them like that's mine or no or whatever i'm like I just kind of, like, let them figure it out until they come to me. Because most of the time, I feel like they do kind of figure it out. Or somebody else just runs out and then, like, starts playing with something else. And I'm like, okay. Great.
2: Because then I'm also thinking now, I'm – Reed is 10 months. My nursing relationship with him is way different than when you have a newborn and you're really – you have to, like, really get the latch. And you really have to, like, get – maybe they need a quiet room. And, like, you know, sometimes it's, like, so different. But –
0: the only problem I have with those felt books is that I just feel like we just lose all the pieces.
2: That's no, like true.
0: They're so cute, but then I open the book like two weeks later, and then I'm like, "Where's this piece? Where's this piece? Where's this?" And I'm like, "Half of this stuff is just gone."
2: We try to keep ours in Ziploc bags, but it we That's still no lose way. the pieces.
0: There's <laughs> no just no way. Because I don't, I don't sit like they. They would sit down and play with it, but then like then they run off. You know, they run off with a piece oh yeah come back with that piece like i can't be the the like you know the guard of the book i don't know yeah you just can't (laughs) that's That's like like with everything though
2: that's like our puzzles too like all our like cute little animal puzzles like they're always oh my gosh
0: i you know what i was trying to explain to bella the other day uh we were at an airbnb and we were doing a puzzle Oh, I mean, we started playing with the puzzle. And she was like, you know, just like not nice the pieces. And I was like, Bella, if, a ne- if the next person comes and does this puzzle and there's a piece missing, they're going to be very disappointed when they get at the end of the puzzle. And she was like, why? And I was like, because it's like really not fun when you have this beautiful picture. And then they're- and you've worked so hard. And then just one is missing. <laughs> and, and she's, she's just like, like, She's like what? tearing it,
2: the piece apart. Yeah, I,
0: she just like... What, like, somewhere under the rug, you know? I was just like, oh, my gosh. But pu- those, like, foam puzzles are really fun for kids to put together, too. And the bigger ones. And I feel like you don't lose those as much. Yeah. like no, the that's big true. Like, we have, like, a Peppa Pig puzzle, and the pieces are, like, I mean, they're each, like, inches. They're big.
2: Yeah, big floor puzzles.
0: Yeah. That could be fun. I don't know. I've, we've given, hopefully, some options. <laughs> but, you guys, if you have uh, questions for us... Uh, you can phone us in at 844 844 Moms, or you can um, write us on Instagram or, um, th- I mean, individually or on our uh, Instagram on podcasts. You can, you also should join our Facebook group, our mommy Facebook group, because that is a really fun, it's just a fun place to be. I'm telling you, you there's amazing mom advice in there every single, <laughs> swear, every single minute of every single day. There's so many, uh, women in there asking questions and getting great mom advice way better than the advice that we're getting right
2: now it's just really great support you know it's just a group of women helping other women and sharing their experiences and sometimes mommyhood can be a little lonely so it's a it's a nice community
0: online yes and uh please share this podcast uh subscribe to this podcast and thank you so much for joining us today we appreciate you